Welcome back to Lost in Roshar, the ultimate journey through the Stormlight Archive. I'm Christian Kremling. And I'm Jimmy Stormblust. Today we are diving into chapters 45 and 46 of The Way of Kings. And as always, full spoilers ahead for all of the Stormlight Archive, including the novella. So if you haven't read it yet, we'll see you later. For everyone else, welcome back to Lost in Roshar. Christian, uh, you know, I'm, I'm back again. Uh, it's, good, it's good to be here. And uh, I was just I was just curious. The big question of the day is, how are you doing? I'm doing well, mate. You proved yourself last week. You're allowed back in the building. Um, I've given you the the new set of keys. Um, Jake's not too happy, um, but you know there are positions in the mailroom open yeah. for Jake, uh, and uh, we welcome him. Someone someone egged my house the other day and had a Canadian <laughs> flag on the back of a Prius, and I'm pretty sure it was Jake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll wait for Jake's response to the allegations in the we'll coming weeks. If he listens to the show or not regularly. Oh, he's a listener. He better be. He, he's a listener. Um, a posh indie listener, maybe. But um, no, I'm good, dude. It's, um, oh, what a what a great bunch of chapters today. It's going to be a big, it's going to be a big uh, episode. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, last episode might not be as big because bloody YouTube thought we were we were inappropriate and they took away our monetization, which means it took, doesn't show up for people. Mm-hmm. What did we do wrong, mate? What did we do wrong last episode? I've said a lot of dodgy things on this show <laughs> and on many other shows. I don't remember being dodgy last episode. I, I really couldn't think of anything um, unless we had an outtake that we didn't take out when editing. But I really <laughs> don't remember like ever being inappropriate last week. The th- The only thing I could think of was like the extended description of the chasms. Uh, when when I said it was calm and you like described bodies for a good five minutes, um, maybe that's what YouTube. Was I may like, have done that. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, I've said way worse things though on other things, and not. Yeah. You know, and, and some people are thinking, well, it's just monetization. But when whenever your monetization on YouTube is is restricted, it actually uh, dampens the reach it has, and it will actually not show up on people's homepages. But also, it it can actually skip people's subscription feed depending on their settings. Yeah. Uh, especially if it, if it gets labeled as adults only, it, it can be it can be very troublesome. I guess is the you know for the reach of the episode. Yeah, I'm not too worried about the monetization. Um, those five cents can come next week. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just like, I would like people to listen if possible. That would be yeah. nice, and I'm pretty sure we can like you know it's it's nothing that bad. YouTube, come on. Um, so I requested a human being look at it. Um, so I'm sure we're in a long queue of like a million people asking for a human being. Um, so yeah, look, the episode was a bit late. This one hopefully will be a bit more on time and, uh, it can be like a little double feature. Hopefully we can, uh, be good boys this week and keep the algorithm happy. I'm going to try to keep it clean and, and obviously <laughs> a big shout out to all of our Spotify and Apple podcasts, wherever you listen to podcast listeners as well. We, we asked last week whether or not some of you have found us just through the podcasting platform instead of the YouTube base that Christian has over on his channel. And it turns out that there are a ton of you. Uh, there, there's a large amount of people who have just found us organically through the search on Spotify or Apple. And that is so cool to me. I, I think that that's great. Yeah, it's it surprised me to be honest. I felt like, oh, I kind of felt like if I started this without that base on YouTube, that it would just be like you know a fart in the wind, as they say. YouTube, <laughs> let that one pass. Surely, okay. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, that people were searching. Someone was searching for like music to listen to while rereading Stormlight, and we came up. So, um, 
very we're musical, mate. We're musical. I think uh, it's interesting because we get, you know, sometimes thousands of views on our videos on YouTube, and then we get thousands of downloads, and I'm like, oh, those are different thousands of people. Like, for yeah. some reason in my head, I'm like, oh, it's the same, but when you, when you take it and you say, well, a lot of this is like unique listeners and viewers, and you add it together, you're like, we we, we got a, an audience. Like, people yeah. listen when we talk, which is very weird. <laughs> yeah, for some, I had the same thing. I'm like, oh, so it's someone on YouTube who's like going in the car and they've opened it on Spotify. Couldn't possibly be two people. Yeah, I really wish I could know the actual size of the audience, which I feel I will um, grow significantly next year. It's a lot bigger than we realized, I think. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the main thing. And, and hey, Manscaped, if you're listening, we'll, we'll run ads. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying, bro. I wonder. I want to know what the first ad's going to be. Jimmy's going to come to me with some oh. dodgy little company like, dude, it's going to work. Bro, we've had some bankers <laughs> on bend the knee. Like we yeah. did, we did some like men's health stuff, and those ad reads were fantastic. Some of my best work. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, you're 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 great at those ad reads. I'll have to get I my reading ads. I think I just got to lean into the Australian side of things. Like, <laughs> g'day guys, we've got a got a great new deal. Do a you know Kango twenty four in the in the in the code box and get your free bloody Christmas bauble. <laughs> Get your pluggers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your pluggers. Oh, my uh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, I, for a person who lives in Australia, I've got a pretty mild accent. There are some true blue Aussies out there I don't I don't stand a chance against. But I can do it. When the time calls for it, I can be as Aussie as you like. I mean, as someone who grew up in West Virginia, my accent is, is very light, <laughs> if non-existent. Like, if you go back to where I'm from and you hear people talk, you're like, why don't you talk like that? And I'm like, I never have, ever. I don't, really? I don't know why. Not even as a uh, Hi, man. We're going to go down there to Piggly Wiggly. Like, <laughs> that's how they talk. Yeah. Uh, my my wife about? has it a little bit more than I do. But even then, you know, I can't really tell that she does. Now, she, at her work and stuff, people will be like, where is she, where's that accent from? It sounds dumb. Like, mm. <laughs> like that's rude. I feel hmm. like, uh, you know what? Some kids here get like little American accents because they're so like chronically online. Hmm. Just watching like, Shroud play Counter-Strike or something. Basically, yeah. Like the time on the iPad correlates perfectly to like the how American you sound here. Everyone's um, talking like Brandon Sanderson. Uh, <laughs> hello there. Uh, today, Dragonsteel. You know, just <laughs> Jimmy's on a roll with his impressions today. Um, We're on something. I don't know if it's a roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. Have you been, dude, in this uh, brief moment between episodes? What's going on? You know, just waiting for that long, peaceful sleep, you know, and just <laughs> wondering when the dirt naps got. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm doing good, man. Uh, still battling my staff infection. It's actually getting worse somehow, which is not cool. But, uh, you know, you move on and, and journey before destination. Oh Does that work God. here? I think that works here. Uh, I'm good, dude. I, I'm, I'm excited for the holidays. I've been reading a lot of really great books, like outside of just like the rereads that I do for podcasting. And there's nothing that makes me happier, I think, than finding new favorite reads and new authors and new adventures and emotions to go through. But I've also been playing a lot of Call of Duty, which is a problem. I got 96 hours in that game. And that, that's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed to say that. It's we been might out of wait, guys. We might have to edit that out because I'm embarrassed by it, honestly. (laughs) I I, I don't feel good about it. You're welcome here, Jim. We're here to help. 96 hours in a week. I'm trying to do the math on that. It was 10 days. It's about nine hours a day. Maybe almost 10 hours a day. It's it's a problem. It's a problem. And uh, 
and your wife is like slowly. She's been gone for a few days. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, sne- imagine like, would you, oh no, it's going to be too much of a gaming tangent. I'll just say we're here to help Jimmy and it's going to be all right. Um, we'll, we'll slowly get those numbers down just like your KD slowly oh, decreasing. I, I am an old man now. I, I, I can't hang with these kids anymore. But you, you know what I did to appease mm. appease my wife is I bought her the new Mario game on Switch because she loves the Switch. Oh, Mario Wonder. I've been, so I've been she's, she's busy. She's yeah. busy. She's not realizing the depths of my addiction, which is nice. <laughs> you know, I can put it off a little bit longer until we have to have the uh, intervention. So, oh, Smart tactic. I mean, Mario Wonder is so good. I've been playing that a lot too. Dude, when are um, we gonna get the Stormlight RPG? Like when? Well, we're getting like the tabletop stuff, but can you imagine like an open world Roshar game? Oof. Oh, I mean, honestly, even Mistborn. Like, obviously, we like Stormlight more, but I mean, Mistborn, just the magic system and, and the battling, it would be it's sick. made. It's made yeah. to be a video game. It's perfect. You got all your abilities and stuff. You could do like a Overwatch style Mistborn game because there's like all the counters and stuff. Damn, yeah. that would be pretty cool. And then like one person becomes a full-on Mistborn in the match and can do everything, like all 10 medals. Mistborn MOBA, it's going to happen. I think, I, I legitimately think it will happen. Um, but I think by the time we get Cosmic Games, games will look very different with this whole AI uprising, um, destroying slash enhancing the world. Uh, <laughs> it's going to look so different to what we're imagining. And I think about that for the adaptation too. I'm like, I feel like it's going to be some new, like, I don't, I don't even think we should be thinking in terms of like traditional movies and tv shows by the time that stuff's coming out yeah there's going to be a lot of stuff with augmented reality and also ai curated content i mean we're 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 going into some some strange times i read a book a a long time ago called life 3.0 and i can't remember the author now um i really wish i could he's a brilliant guy but was talking about this and basically how like he goes to this hypothetical scenario of where a company has developed an ai to like recommend media and then it becomes able to create media. And basically there's an entire streaming platform that people don't even know that is like AI driven. And like, it is giving you the best thing and like it, best thing for you. This is before like what watch next on Netflix. Like this book was mm-hmm. written before then. And it's crazy how far it's gone into his hypothetical where I'm like, okay, like he's gotten a lot of this, right? Like he was definitely on the path and he was just talking about like life 3.0. Like what mm-hmm. does that look like? And it, it, it's yeah. book. I, I recommend the audiobook if anyone's interested in what I'm talking about. It, it's very good nonfiction. It's not very long either. Yeah, there's a there's a, in the new season of Black Mirror. There's this um, episode. Have you watched it? Jane is awful. This, no, I haven't. Episode. So like she, um, you know, you sign your contract with Netflix, the Netflix equivalent, um, and you don't realize you're signing away the the rights to your life to be adapted. And they take her everyday life and adapt it into a Netflix show. And then she tries to like sue Netflix, but it's all CGI representations. So it's not actually her. And uh. like, and then her suing Netflix becomes the next episode of the show. And it's like in real time. And then they start making shows on everyone, um, so making them look as awful as possible because, you know, like negativity is like what drives engagement. But I, all, all that is to say like media is changing so quick. And I can imagine wearing my little, you know, my Apple Vision Pros with like a little spren in my house being like, Jeez. clean the dishes, Christian, say the words. Well, there's going to be a time here in the future, bro, where our podcast will look like we're both sitting in the same room. I mean, have you seen the Lex Friedman, Mark Zuckerberg interview? 
I did see that. It is the most, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Like it literally looked like they were in the room together. Yeah. And to them, they said it felt that way too. So that, that me and you will be doing that at some point, probably the next three years. Oh, there's something just so disturbing about that though. Like I'm like smiling at my wall with my big, you know, like mosquito eyes being like, Hey Jimmy, like (laughs) there's something dystopian about it. I want to connect the sensor so I can feel your handshake. You know, it's like, what the hell? Let me, (laughs) is your safe hand covered over the the ocean, Jimmy? (laughs) Oh my goodness. That'll be, uh, the, the Roshar after dark episodes. (laughs) There's a few, there's a few little safe hand moments. These chapters, Kaladin feels a bit of a chill. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) listen, it's biology. It's fine. (laughs) Oh my God. Get your like stormlight. VR enhanced safe hand covered, covered, covered. Exactly. We we will actually be selling them on our Etsy shop uh, where you can throw it on top of your quest VR headset. (laughs) I I really, but I I think you're right, man. Like there's going to be, you know what? You're right. I think we will be wearing those headsets by like, you know, episode 200. Yeah, for sure. Why not? I don't, I don't think it's all that far away um, to be honest. So we'll we'll see though. Yeah. What, what what do I know? I don't know anything. I but barely know anything like, about the Cosmere. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got called that a little bit, mate, <laughs> last week. Um, guys, don't be surprised. Jimmy's Jimmy's like, you know, he's a voice to the voiceless. The people who are too scared to be like, what right. what is this in the Cosmere? And I'm never like, afraid to actually, say I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I welcome the actuallys because I learn when this happens. And I'm going to tell you what, this episode this week, is going to be a lot of me dusting off the chalkboard and cleaning the erasers, pounding them together because <laughs> Christian, I forgot these chapters existed. I forgot. I remember some of it, but like we went mm-hmm. to shades more in these two chapters in the way of Kings. Yeah, man. Yeah, we did. This is wild. There's stuff in here that I still don't really know what it means. I've got my glasses right at the edge of the tip of my nose. I'm ready to push them up and I'm ready to tell you a few things, mate. I think we got to jump. I think we got to jump into these because the, the, these are Let's two important, epic. humongous yeah. chapters. Uh, mm-hmm. th- this is almost, I think, 40 pages or 30 p- pages. Uh, all, long, I think it's yeah. about 40. And these might be the f- most important chapters we've read that we know of, at least so far. Maybe there's some big stuff that we're, we're not aware of yet until book five, six or seven or eight, nine, ten comes out. But these ones seem very, very important, uh, not just to the immediate plot, but also to to the Stormlight Archive as a larger picture. So amazing chapters really great stuff i would say this is where i would point to people would be like if you read these two and don't like them there's a chance you're not going to like this book i think that this is where it's like pretty evident that there's some cool stuff going on so this is chapters 45 and 46 and we're going to start with chapter 45 which is called shadesmar uh and here we go with some pronunciations with the epigraph all right (laughs) yelignar called blight (laughs) blightwind was one that could speak like a man, though often his voice was accompanied by the wails of who those he consumed. The unmade were obviously fabrications of folklore. Curiously, most were not considered individuals, but instead personifications of kinds of destruction. This quote from Traxel, line 33, considered a primary source, though I doubt its authenticity. Well, mm. Yasna, I think that you need to be a little bit more open-minded because I absolutely think... <laughs> That these things are true. Uh, and this also brings up a lot of questions about is there, you know, we talk about the 10 deaths in these chapters and do those go against the 10 ideals? Uh, is there an opposite to the 10 radiance? Is that a thing? Yeah, there's just, 
10 is so big. I don't know if there's an opposite. Not that I know of. It's but something yeah. a lot of people have speculated online because uh, I was doing some yeah. Googling and, and it Ooh. does seem to people that that seems to be something people really like to, to talk about. Uh, there being because an opposite. I mean, on the back of the way of Kings, I don't I don't know if it's in yours. Um, it's in the leather bound. You get like the opposite of the 10 Knights Radiant orders. Yeah. In some sort of like chart with the glyphs and stuff. So there's uh, there is a counter, but I don't know if there's like a. 10 heralds so to speak it might just be like the 10 orders have a have a counterpart yeah like 10 orders and then there's the 10 deaths which are mentioned and i think people are like well what are the 10 deaths because we hear them yeah yeah we hear them about them in a dalinar chapter as well and i think a lot of people are considering the fact that they may be tied to the unmade okay yeah i could see that Mm -hmm. or it's just like um all varsharians are are cats plus one yes (laughs) Um, did you look up this unmade? I did a quick little search. I uh, I did not. Well, it shows up. It shows up later um, in, in Oathbringer. Oh, in, in Oathbringer. Oathbringer. Okay. Yeah, so it's like an unmade that needs to like uh, kind of infect a person in order to function. You got to like swallow a gemstone. It goes in the gemstone and it like powers you up into like crazy, crazy mode. Um, and Amaram does that at the end of Oathbringer. He gets possessed by it. And that's when uh, he faces off against Kaladin. So yes, this unmade literally shows up. And that's why it says like, though often his voice was accompanied by the wails of those he consumed. So it's like that kind of like classic dual voice fantasy thing going on. Yeah, kind of spooky. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, I guess, you know, to give you guys a summary of what chapter 45 is, if you're just listening along and not reading, is Shallan studying Gavilar's meetings with the Parshendi before his death. She notices a lot of discrepancies about uh, the uncharacteristic scholarly interest that Gavilar is taking in the Parshendi. And she's about to leave because she has stolen the Soulcaster. She has a ride that's coming. Um, but you could tell she's a little bit shaken by it and she's not sure what she's doing. But she ends up researching the Voidbringers, which then leads in to capsule coming in and then them having a very philosophical discussion about the void bringers as well, which I think is just dripping with foreshadowing and misinformation. Uh, I'm so curious to hear what you have to say, but then he asked for some likenesses of, of her and some drawings and she ends up doing these things. And this is where she ends up drawing something standing behind capsule, which we know is pattern, right? Uh, at least I think that's what I'm I sure he's add. one of them because there's a bunch of them, right? I'm sure yes. one of them is pattern. Yeah. Yes. And as she draws them, they come closer to her. She ends up running back to the room, tries to summon her uh, shard blade, which is another moment. I'm like, wait, what? And then yeah. ends up in a really weird sequence of events, ending up in Shadesmar, having a very nebulous conversation that I, I'm not still sure I understand. But then she <laughs> ends up back in her room because Yasna calls out to her from outside her door and she's terrified that she's going to be discovered that she was soul casting. Uh, she cuts herself to explain the presence of the blood. It was crazy. The the absolute panic. The sense of I, panic is so good. I how can people read this and be like, yeah, all Shalon chapters are bunk. Like I don't get it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they probably gave up before this part. Surely you know, when it's just like studying in the Palinaeum, this was like these two chapters. It's like, he turns up the pace and the heat so much. Like we're getting there now we're getting there. Um, yeah, this is the best chapter so far in the series for me. Like, or I should say I not serious, but the book in the reread, this has been the best chapter. It's crazy. For me reread. Yeah. Dude, the whole, the whole mechanic of her running and drawing and then they closer and closer. It's like brilliant. 
it's going to be so good. Um, to very see visual. Like yes. Very visual yeah. for an adaptation. This would be one of those scenes where they would definitely have to, I think, stick close to the source material. It's straight up out of a horror movie. Yeah. It's good it's, stuff. It's straight up. I'm trying to like, it feels like there's something in a, a game. Well, it kind of reminded me of um, a little bit of, um, I can say this, Yumi, a little bit of Yumi with the painting aspect. Yes, I, I like, no, I totally cool. agree. I mean, every time I read Yumi, I kept thinking about these type of moments. Yeah, because I did remember this. Yeah, I remember. I remember the drawing. I remember Capsule, and then the thing behind and running away. But what I forgot was the shard blade piece, piece of it, and I also forgot the glass goblet filled with diamond spheres, and then like this weird conversation she's having get sent to Shademar when she's terrified. Like. I mean, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to open the floor to you. Explain this stuff. Okay. Do you want to, do you want to rewind first? Like, do you want to yeah, do a chapter ahead. in order? So yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. So the first thing is like reading Gavilar's notes and they're mm. like, why was he so interested? Um, why was he so interested in the Parshendi? And it's like interesting to, to think about when did he like, when did he turn into this like, oh, I want to be a Herald kind of guy. Like when was that moment? What was the triggering event for that to occur? Yeah, like it kind of seems like it has already occurred because like he's pretty interested in the Parshendi. Um, yeah, but at the same time, they're very. It's like imagine finding a whole new being that you can like have a conversation with. This I feel is, like everyone would be interested in that. Yeah, this is a pivotal moment. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the moment in a Song of Ice and Fire where Rhaegar Targaryen just comes out of the the books one day and he goes, "It looks that I have to be a warrior." And people are like, yeah. "Oh." Okay. And he'd always been a bookish guy. And mm-hmm. then he just learned how to be a swordsman. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> what made him do that? And now, you know, in that series, I'm, we're not going to go into it, but like we fit, we, I think we figured it out. At least I, yeah. I feel pretty confident and we don't have this answer for Gavilar yet. I don't think. I don't think so either. So he says they, they also speak of their terrible gods and we think they must be referring to several particularly large chasm great shells. And I'm like, I don't think, I don't think so. Like, so what do you think instead? Well, like their gods are the fused. Like that's who they see as their gods. So I'm pretty sure that's who they're talking about. Um, but then there's this like weird majesty that they hold for the, for the great shells. I'm, I'm trying to, I don't remember it exactly, but there is like a scene with Esh and I towards when we get that flashback of her in rhythm of war and there's like a moment with a great shell that made us all think like, is there like something more to these guys than just, uh, being big, big Kremlings? I don't know. I mean, that is pretty cool. (laughs) Let's, let's not discount being massive Kremlings. I mean, (laughs) as one myself, uh, (laughs) we are pretty great. But yeah, I look, there's like, this is what's so frustrating because you get told, yes, these are the gods, and, but sometimes, I mean, often Sanderson flips that on its head. I feel like there's a bit more to the great, and I didn't research this, but I feel like there's more to the great show relationship between them and the, the Parshendi. But I'm pretty sure they're talking about the fused. Yeah, and a whole lot of misinterpretations on Gavilar's part, or really any of the scholars' parts. I mean, they, they clearly do not understand all the history because they're thinking that they've been cast off from the Tranquilin Halls and all this other stuff. I mean, there's constant... Not, I called it misinformation earlier, but maybe it's just they're they're just flat out wrong, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, then the only other two lines I took from this was like, um, 
He's writing about them compared to the Parshmen. He goes, perhaps they are distant cousins, as different from ordinary Parshmen as Alethi axehounds are from the Saleh breed. And then I was like, what does the Saleh breed of axehound look like? Is it a dog? Like, is it actually like a dog as we know it? Or is it just still a carapace thing? Because then my mind's like, where do they come from? Did like did dogs come from Ashen? You know? Yeah, I mean I'm I'm super interested if any of the ecology came from there. Could it yeah. survive? I mean, there, there's a lot. I was just like, what are they what are their dogs axe hounds look like? Um and then um we hear about this guy Clade, um, who's like, Where is their music? Because like, you know, they, they communicate with rhythms and they have this musical connection, right? Yeah. And humans don't. Um mm-hmm we ain't we ain't that good so clade i remember the, his name because i remember i've th- if there's one event i know really well it's the assassination of gavala and he was kind of yeah there. i feel like that's your expertise and <laughs> yeah that's my like if i had to p- publish a thesis it's like yes. the true story of the assassination um clade was like somewhat involved because he's a member of the like the, one of the higher like the the council of the five which are like, you know, the elders or whatever, the leaders of the of this group of Parshendi. And he, oh, I think it was him that like purchased Zeth and like arranged it at some point. He was he was somewhere in like the line of like getting Seth to do this thing. I can't, I'm trying to remember exactly. Uh, here we go. In late 1167, Clay decided to see if it would be possible to buy a slave in Colonna. Upon arriving, he claimed that a voice that spoke the rhythms um, led him to Seth. That's right, yeah. Ulam was the sp- uh, void sprain who told Clay, hey, go buy this slave because we're going to kill Gavala. So it's interesting that this guy was speaking to Gavala in the early portions, which I didn't know. I didn't know they knew each other. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah. So... uh yeah, he was part of the uh, chain of command that uh, ended up in the death of Galbala. So it's cool to see him. Um, but I suppose we can get to the cool part now. Um, well, almost. It's all cool. I would say it's it's all cool. Yeah, but like turning something into blood is just like cool. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, the metal part, perhaps. Yes. Um, but again, I'm going to like put, put the brakes on slightly because I did want to talk to you about the whole like history lesson with um, sad old heartbroken capsule you know yeah why not teach some history while you're getting broken up with you know it's rough rough beats for our boy yeah he uh showed a new side he showed a new side this week and i don't know if i like it jimmy is it genuine i think he is kind of hurt i think he genuinely like really likes her yeah yeah I, I, i feel that as well yeah it's 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 the classic like i'm really nice vibe until they get rejected and they and he gets all angry you know what i didn't like you anyway take give me my jam back big yeah. incel vibes yeah <laughs> incel capsule <laughs> 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 so what did you take from this like with the whole history Void oh, that, that once again they, they they simply don't know the history and they've actually drawn some points that metaphorically seem correct but in mm. the literal interpretation is not correct the Traquil and Halls, to me, almost can represent them getting kicked out of it can represent their prior planet. And yeah, then agreed. coming to Roshar. Yeah, and then she's asking about the Dawn Singers. Um, yeah, the Dawn like, Singers. And he says, What about them? 
classic incel capsule. What about the Dawn Singers? Um, yeah, because she's asking, because like she realizes the palinaeum is not, a, it's like a natural, quote unquote, natural formation. Yes. And by the way, this kind of leans into what we've been talking about of a lot of this structure stuff being here before. Mm. the humans arrived but we also have questioned about who created these things and how did they get there yeah he chuckled like <laughs> that isn't the kind of thing the dawn singers did they were healers all right kindly spread sent by the almighty to care for humans once we were forced out of the tranquiline halls dummy come on yeah and she says kind of the opposite of void bringers <laughs> and he said i suppose you could say that i think this is definitely the work of the dawn singers to be honest man I'm pretty sure a lot of the a lot of Roshar is with these like mm-hmm. well, there's two parts, right? So like there's the cities, you know, with his little sand experiment that he did that are like glyphs. That I feel like there's some sort of honor slash human component to. But like stuff like the Palinaeum, I feel like it could be daunting as like the the Pashendi of past. Because yeah. they they were it's like we've got so much so many hints, so much evidence to suggest that they could like mold the earth with all their powers and stuff. Yes. Um, and I could imagine them doing that. But I wonder yeah. why. Wonder why they did it. Now why that is a good question. I think it's likely what you're saying because it would fit with the idea, especially now. Remember, we're in the way of kings without any other context. We're thinking that the Parshendi are some lesser beings right like yeah. they're not as they're not as advanced they couldn't ever do these type of things they're not intelligent enough you know these are you know it's the cl- classic like they're barbarians yeah. we must like we, only we could ever do that yeah and i think sanderson's playing with that right here mm. i would love to study the palinaeum because it's like a it's, it's like a reverse pyramid right going down into the earth why it's always a pyramid hey yeah, I know. Right? How they yeah. do it? <laughs> yeah, and, and it's uh, it's interesting because like in our world, a lot of people are like the the pyramids were actually uh, there's no way that they could have been built by humans and da 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 da. And it's like we we think so poorly <laughs> of humans of the past, like they would never be able to accomplish these things and have mm. you know technology to do this. And when I say technology, I don't mean you know microprocessors. I mean like <laughs> you know fulcrums and such you know being able to figure some of this stuff out and it's like we can't imagine them being capable of doing this which is really not a good way of looking at humans of the past and i think here it's like the same thing they look at the parshendi and they're like no way yeah it's like they're pulling the elevators up and down dude like what are you and talking isn't that, about isn't that something right there that they built these amazing structures that these yeah. people are doing all this study in without with the wrong context and the people who are of lineage that are responsible for this thing are the ones pulling them up and down that, it's that's, so, that's it's really sad yeah it's really sad but when you it ain't you, the first time it's happened in history so. no <laughs> oh, no not at all um look i'm gonna read uh because he they keep going and he goes, we believe that the void bringers were real, Shalad, a scourge and a plague. A hundred times they came upon mankind, first casting us from the Tranquiline Halls, then trying to destroy us here on Roshar. They weren't just spren that hid under rocks, then came out to steal someone's laundry. They were creatures of terrible destruction power, forged in damnation, created from hate. So using like our translations, damnation, as I understand it, is braze where like the fused chill 
and yeah. like and where the heralds get tortured. So like from this definition, he's classifying the void bringers as the fused. But then when you read it like they like they cast us from the Tranquiline Halls. I don't think they did. I think humanity messed up as we understand it and came. So there's like a bit of like they're just passing on the blame, you know. Yes, and then also isn't there the whole angle of us being the void? I shouldn't say us. We're not in the story, but like <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying. The, the, the humans are the void breakers themselves. I think we're in, like I don't. The more I, we talk about it, the more I'm like I don't think it's a one to one answer. I think like. Where the void bringers in the sense, I mean, humans are the void bringers in the sense like they came to Roshar and messed it up a little bit. I mean, yeah. a lot, a lot, a bit. Um, but um, the whole, the other aspect of the void bringers who like come from damnation and attack, I think that's still the fused. So I think like it's a bit okay. of a half half scenario. I don't yeah, think. Yeah, maybe it's not actually so black and white. Yeah. Right? And that's the thing. He says, everything has its opposite. Shalon, the almighty is a force of good to balance his goodness. The Cosmere needed void bringers to, uh, as his opposite. But by rhythm of war, we see that these two opposite sides, polar opposites, this very black and white view is now producing people who are stuck in the middle. Mm. Right. Venli and yeah. Renarin and, and these other people who kind of just want to go off and do this own thing that, that are a bit gray. So I think what Sanderson is doing here is actually setting up the goalposts on each side of the field. And and now as he goes through the future books, he's carving out the middle and what something looks like that's reconciled between those two sides. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. And we see it with all the rhythms, like you need odiums and cultivations and honor yeah. to like get the tone of Roshar or whatever it is. So yes. it's not as, yeah, not as black and white as it's being presented here. Yeah, people people really want you to pick a side. Yeah. <laughs> the, the people people very much like that tribal uh, approach. I, I think what Sanderson's tackling here, though, is like dogmatic beliefs of any kind. Uh, mm. it, and it, it is. It, I think it's pretty interesting, especially whenever you tie it in so deeply to the history of this world. That mm. then, in a few, just a few uh, hundreds or thousands of pages later, we get flipped totally on its head. It's just it, it, it's a wild thing to to try to execute. I would suck at this. Like I love like yeah. to write and to hold on to these secrets for so long. I wouldn't, I couldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to hold it in. Yeah. And while tackling like a pretty uh, important theme that is very relevant to today. Mm. I feel like re- reading this, having read more Cosmere, I would like, I would have had a chance to figure it out. Cause like, you know, you get a sense that the religions are based on past actual Cosmere wide events. So mm-hmm. I feel like I'd already be looking for like a parallel to the for damnation and tranquiline halls. Like, what are they really? Probably a planet, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Probably another planet. Um, so I, rem- I I miss the days of like just being totally lost. But in, there in is. Roshar? <gasps> Mate, beautiful. Um, yeah. <laughs> I miss the days of being lost in Roshar. Um, and I'm trying to capture it, guys. Um, but I still feel lost just in a different way. Like I'm lost, but I got Google maps, you know, I got a bit of help, but there's still some uncharted roads, but the roads, (laughs) I'm trying to take this analogy all the way. You get that. Well, that's literally what I was about to say though, is like, you know, there's still time Christian. There's still a lot of things unsolved and we're about to get one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle. So like, you know, true. It's not over yet. True, true, true. 
Um, yeah, look, I'm wondering the last bit about this that I have a question for. Like, he's like, I told you the basic Shalan, stop asking me questions. He goes, we fought them off 99 times. And I'm just like, how'd they get that number? How'd they get 99 battles? What Like, what's that about? Or is that just some, like, religious thing? I don't, I don't know. know. It could just be a religious thing, but I really don't know. It's a good it's like, question. Why not 100? You know, what happened yeah. before the 100th battle? Like, sounds pretty hype. <laughs> Who pulled out? I don't know. Nice. Um, that's the only, like, last question I had there. Before we get to the awesome um, moment of all of these cryptic friends showing up, did you pick up on this line where Capsule's like, at least draw a picture of us together? And she's asking for a mirror, and it says she rarely did sketches of herself. They felt strange to draw. Yeah, why? Why is that? Yeah, right. I mean, I guess that's not that's not totally out of the question. Like, there's a lot of photographers that don't like having their picture taken, or artists that don't like drawing themselves. So maybe maybe it's just that. Maybe it's as simple as something that human. Yeah, yeah, but. because it's <laughs> but Jimmy. It sounds like you're taking it literally. No, we don't do that here. We don't do that around these parts. <laughs> no, no, no. Damn it. Um, there is that angle, right? The artist being like, not used to being the subject. Classic, right? But in the same way that she's seeing things that um, aren't in this plane of reality when she's drawing and seeing Cryptic Spren, Shalane's hiding a lot about her past. Um Yeah. Is there something that could be revealed in the drawings of herself about her past somehow? Would she see her old spread? Oh, she's, prote- she's protecting herself from real. Yeah. I mean, that, that you, you, that's without a doubt in the, in the, in play. It, it could be a thing. Yeah. Like even just purely as a character moment, like to see yourself so clearly would be hard for someone like Shalane, even yeah. if it's just in a portrait. So I just thought that was like a telling line, whether it's a magic thing or just a mental health thing. It's cool. Um, But yes, firstly, we get one guy. So it's just like she draws capsule and then it says um, a figure that wasn't really there, a figure with a sharp angular symbol hovering above its collar instead of a head. So it's just one cryptic. And then the next one's two. And then the next one's five. So it, she's like and drawing, so does that, drawing a crowd. Yeah. Does that, uh, yeah. And literally drawing a crowd. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so her drawing is why they're coming, right? Like the more she draws, the more that will come. I want, well, I wonder, right. Cause like, you know, when you're in Shazamar, people show up as little candle flames. I'm wondering like what these cryptics are seeing. Are they just seeing like a candle flame or are they in the room seeing it as it is? I'm not sure of that answer. Yeah. Because, like, if they're in the room, they're like, whoa, she's drawing us. Come check it out. Well, I think maybe just her act of doing that. It's kind of like whenever Kaladin's doing the kata. Like, Mm. maybe he's attracting more spread that way. And for her, I feel like that drawing is her thing. Well, to attract a cryptic, it's like lying. Lying Mm. is what gets them interested. So what's she lying about that's like drawing a crowd? 
Uh, a lot. I mean, a lot. Just in general, like she's lying to Capsule. She's lying to Yasna. Yeah, she's she lying she, to she be steady lying. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. But mm. regardless, she's drawing some. <laughs> I mean, these these puns write themselves. But she's drawing some attention here. And uh, okay, so the next one: two figures stood on the landing above, wearing two straight robes like cloth made from metal. They leaned down, watching her go. And then a five symbol five and five symbol headed figures in black two stiff robes and cloaks each had a different symbol twisting and unfamiliar to her hanging above a reckless a necklace torso the creatures wove through the crowd unseen like predators focused on Shalan. so they are weaving through people so they must be kind of in the physical physical realm yeah i think they are at this point yeah so you had questions about like the shades my part when she drops into it. Yeah. Like what, what's like the, a glass goblet filled with diamond spheres. Yeah. What's then, significant about glass goblet filled with diamond spheres? I mean, not nothing really. So it's just we're in Yasna's room, right? She finds this. She's like, I'm going to soul cast. Well, firstly, she goes to get a shard blade. Um, as she yeah. Yeah. Um, 10 heartbeats away so good um but then she's like no i'll use the 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 soul the soul caster but as she's about to do it she they say what are you so that is the cryptic sprint or potentially pattern maybe it's him i'm guessing it's pattern if he's got a speaking i i I hope it's pattern i'm assuming so that opens Um, up a whole other can of worms if it's not (laughs) yeah if it's not well it's pattern and the Patton and the gang, his four friends. Um, and she goes, what, what am I? I'm terrified. And they go, this is true. Which is like a very like cryptic spren kind of like devoid of, I don't know, just weird human interaction. And then the like, bedroom transforms. Like, yeah. What yeah. a absolute like rug pull and, and like a power like oh, here. Right. It's yeah. It's a massive rug pull. So I suppose what's significant about the goblet full of spheres is that Shalane's able to use the spheres to power. Yes, and, and it does make us speculate that okay, you're able to do this, and then like we we have this little scene in Shadesmar. So what could someone do that is very powerful with a ton of stormlight in Shadesmar? Yeah, I mean, what can they accomplish there? Yeah, soulcast baby. So yeah, so she gets transported to Shadesmar, which is kind of what you do when you when you soulcast. Um, and it says, oh, which this made me so happy. She found herself in a place with a black sky and a strange small white sun that hung on the horizon too far away. Sun, sun's approaching the horizon, guys. Man, we've been talking about that sun for quite a while, <laughs> haven't we? I'm telling you. And then you read and you look at the chapters, and I, I'm sure for some people it clicks. Like, that's what's in her chapter icon, surely. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's like, sees all the flames, which are like people, all the, all the candles floating, Um which is how people are represented in shades. Well, I guess you have some sort of a soul or something. Well, and remember, we've had a lot of flame imagery in these epigraphs that are old texts trying to explain things or in people's death rattles. So I bet if you go back and look at it, some of these flames could be attributed to shades. Mark. I like. I never thought of that before. We see yeah. we have seen flames multiple times in epigraphs in this book. And this is providing us new context of a way to think about flames when we see this word. Yeah, that's a great point. I've never thought to do that actually to 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 impart that definition of it on the death rattles. We should do that. Well, we should keep that in mind. Definitely. Um, 
So she falls in the sea of beads, as you do when you go to Shadesmar, um, just like the ultimate ball pit, the yeah. ultimate <laughs> fantasy <laughs> ball pit. Bro, when I went, I got I to tell the story real quick. When I went to an amusement park, it was called Idlewild Park in Pennsylvania. When I was yeah. a kid, there was a huge ball pit, the most epic ball pit. It was oh, amazing. really? And the one day I went there, when the last time I was there, there, there was a snake in the ball pit. Oh, my God. It's Bro. I was losing my mind. I, like, I was like four or five and I was like, get me out of here. Like, I was freaking out. I know as an Australian, that doesn't impress you because like you live with snakes and spiders. I mean, they come with every ball pit here. It's like, it's part of it. You know, Ooh, terrifying. Just crocs and uh, spiders and yeah. Like the shoes? Yeah, just filled with crocs lost. <laughs> just four year olds everywhere. Sorry, I had to had to divert there. No, man, we got. I just remember like going to IKEA as a kid and just being dropped off in the ball pit and just wondering if my parents would ever return. Oh my, Um, that's terrible. Yeah, just (laughs) yeah, go to the ball pit, Christian. Uh, We'll be back. Um, (laughs) Luckily, they picked me up, guys. I'm all right. They had some Swedish meatballs, bought it in (laughs) table, and they're like, "All right, I guess we can take them." Guess we got to pick this kid up out of Shades Bar. Little did I know I was in Shadesmar that whole time. That wow. Time. Wow. I'm glad I didn't hear those, um, any voices in that ball pit. That would have been slightly worrying. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, isn't, um, isn't undulating the word that Murphy hates? Yes, our good friend Murphy Napier absolutely <laughs> hates the word undulating, and he puts it in every single book. <laughs> <laughs> they surged around her, moving in an undulating swell. I think swell makes that worse, too, an undulating swell. Um, okay, so then it says, you want me to change? A warm voice said in her mind, distinct and different from the cold whisper she had heard earlier. It was deep and hollow and conveyed a sense of great age. It seemed to come from her hand, and she realized... She was grasping something there, one of the beads. So this is the goblet talking to her, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so she had the intent of like um, soul casting earlier, which is, I guess, what this um, bead slash goblet is picking up on. Like, you want me to change? And it says, I've been as I am for a great long time, the warm voice said. I sleep so much. I will change. Give me um, what you have, which is like the stormlight. And then it goes, I don't know what you mean. Please help me. I will change. And then she like transforms <laughs> into blood of all things. Um, now, I, I, I'm not going to pull this up because there's a whole like, of course, with Sanderson, there's a whole system like you can change this into that and that into this. And if you if you're in this order of radiant, you can do that. Because I was thinking, why blood? Is it just because Shalane's got dark thoughts? More well, likely. Well, it's remember probably, her memory where someone's laying on the floor in blood? Yeah, there is that. So there's two ways you could take it. Like, is it her mindset and her memories ma- making it go to blood? Like all these thoughts she's re- repressing? Or is it like when you're a light weaver of this order, like you change glass into blood or something like that? I yeah. Um, hmm. Definitely the coolest choice for a chapter. I, yeah, I wonder if that'll make sense later on. You know what I mean? Like we'll get a scene and we're like, ah, there it is. Oh, and there's definitely a Cosmere expert listening right now being like, it's definitely this reason. But I hear the glass is sliding up the bridge of the nose. Uh, yeah, there it goes. <laughs> it's a slow push. They're like, actually. <laughs> um, Three C's on it, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, with a hard H. Um, but the 
if you're doing a chapter like this, like a horror chapter, it's got to change to blood. Come on. It's the coolest, most metal outcome. It's super cool. And it's like it like edging towards the door. And she's like, oh, what do I do? Yasna's coming. And she um, uh, like cuts herself to, to, to cover it up. Um, and it's cool that she's that she comes to the conclusion of of course she would that she didn't actually use the soul caster which yeah. leaves the reader like racking their brain for like what is what is the significance of the soul caster has literally been the driving force behind a lot of this stuff right the behind yeah. her motivations behind yasna seeming so epic and the magic that we've been ex- that we've been experiencing all the crazy things and now we're seeing just like the history things are not as it appears and then with that that means that the soul caster in itself is an item that is a lie, which Ooh. is exactly what attracts these sprint. <gasps> and Shalon is also lying. And this entire chapter ends with her lying. Yeah. Like if you're a cryptic sprint, Shalon is like gold. You've struck gold, mate. Yes. You found the trifecta lying to people, lying to herself, mm-hmm. lying to lying to everybody um and the thing is right with kaladin there's like this sense that he's special there's like a power creep there's like moments that he shouldn't survive there's visions he's like crazy with a sphere you don't see this coming at least i didn't with shalan no i i like the whole magical thing it's no no at this point i'm in the story i remember being like what in the world (laughs) is going on and just being so sold like, like yeah. I said, this is the moment. This is the moment for me. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, and we don't, uh, I think there's one more Shades Mars scene in this book, and that's it. And then yeah. he starts off, like, then he starts off Words of Radiance with Yasna going into Shades Mar in the freaking prologue, and you're just like, baby, let's go. This is, this is <laughs> we're <great>. We are in. <laughs> yeah, we are in the ball pit. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's our next um animated background me me and you just floating in shades mark in a ball pit <laughs> with a snake with a sky eel going with around. an ikea sign in the background it's gonna be incredible. <laughs> my parents just off in the distance um, yes. slowly fading fading Deba- away debating abandoning you. <laughs> dude that's the thing when your parents drop you off as a kid there's it, just like you're like so convinced there's a chance they'll never come back yeah, you're, you're just like subconsciously aware of how annoying and su- such a burden you are on your parents. That you're like, yeah, this makes sense. Like yeah. if they were smart, they'd leave me. Yeah. You know what? We've been building, building to this moment when they finally we can make another one. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, Jimmy. Thanks for that image. That's what <laughs> Anytime. I want. Anytime. Um, <laughs> I guess uh, we finally go to one of my favorite chapters. Child of Tenebast. Child of Tanavast. Chapter 46 of the Way Kings. The epigraph reads, Though I was due for dinner in Vaden City, Vaden City, I don't know how you say it, that night I insisted upon visiting Kalinar to speak with Tivbet. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the tariffs through Irithiru were growing quite unreasonable. By then, the so-called radiance had already begun to show their true nature. Following the firing of the original Palinium, only one page of the ter. Turksum's autobiography <laughs> remained. And this is the only line that is of any use to me. I apologize for, you know, dyslexia and all that good stuff. So 
Yeah, dude. Yeah. The so-called radiance. People are so salty, man. Just accept it. Like we have radiance. It's almost like people are flawed. Yeah. So-called radiance. Would you say with great power comes great responsibility, Christian? Um, you know what? I might. And uh it's Uncle Christian to you. (laughs) (laughs) The Uncle Ben the the parallels. Come on, mate. Come on, follow me. Yeah. Oh man. Time for a Spider-Man rewatch. The originals. So good. It really is. It's also time for me to summarize this chapter. Um, Oh, let's do it. Yeah. I feel like if I don't summarize this one, people are gonna be like, what are you talking about? Cause it is, it's a bit of a, a trip, honestly. Uh, Kaladin rides the high storm as he sweeps across Roshar In the dream Kaladin views many places and people, a large portion of which he had never seen or heard of before. Blowing southwest, then westward, Kaladin sees flashes of light, almost appearing to be physical things he could touch. Approaching them, he sees that they came from a building amidst a city built of a triangular pattern. He bursts in there and sees a man with large shin eyes, a shard blade wearing white. This is Zeth, obviously, uh, just after he has committed an assassination. It feels to Kaladin as though the assassin could see him. Then traveling on near the Western Ocean, Kaladin separates from the storm after hearing a booming voice that shakes the storm wall. This voice calls Kaladin a child of Tanavast and of honor, and it warns him that Odium comes. Kaladin takes this opportunity to ask him why there is so much war, and the voice responds, Odium reigns. Kaladin then awakes inside of his barracks. He thinks he's being attached by all these uh, dark figures. It's actually Bridge 4, and this is where Rock ends up revealing that uh, Sigzel is a world singer and then there's been a parchment that has joined their crew and they're just going to call him Shen and Kaladin walks around the camp he thinks he asks Sil about Odium and sh- she hisses and zips off without a word Kaladin sees an officer beating a uh, prostitute in the street and starts to intervene but he sees a high ranking officer in blue which happens to be Adolin Colon come onto the scene the officer backs down and Adolin offers to escort the lady out of the camp he flips an emerald chip at Kaladin and tells him to pass along a message for him. Kaladin takes the chip, but in fact does not complete the job and does not pass on the message. What a brat. Ho, bridge boy. <laughs> oh, bridge boy. Hey, over here. Flipping a coin. I got a message for you. <laughs> I love that exchange, man. It's bloody hilarious. Bridge boy. Yeah, especially knowing who they are and where they end up. It's pretty funny. I love that. Like your 50s. <laughs> like, yeah, mobster. 50s yeah. Wise guy. Hey, bridge boy. Oh, that's great. Like, I love that. And like Don Don Dalina. <laughs> Don, Don Dalina. Uh, the family business. Um, oh, dude. This is going to be our longest episode. I'm calling it right now. This chapter, <laughs> like, there's so much in it. We firstly have the crazy Kaladin thing. Then we have, you know, bit of Sigzel stuff, bit of bonding with the boys, you know, let's mm-hmm. go to the barbershop. And then we get the Adolin crossover, the Odium stuff with Sil. Oh man, it's it's an absolute banger. Um, and I'm glad it starts off with the dream because that's what I want to talk about most. This is like, oh, one of the biggest mysteries in Stormlight Archive is why does the Stormlight, uh, why does the Stormfather only refer to Kaladin as this child or son of Tanavast. And this is the first instance of it. Quick refresher, if you're not familiar, Tanavast was the guy who held the Shard of Honor, the actual human being. He calls other people Child of Honor, but not Child of Tanavast. 
hence my major sus feelings about Kaladin and his family. Well, just but Kaladin everyone's told us that, that Sanderson doesn't like secret lineage, <gasps> lineages and stuff. But could he be throwing us off the track? I mean, it doesn't have to be a lineage thing, you know? Yeah, it doesn't have to be. You're right. It's a Kaladin thing, potentially. Yeah, he's it, just the reincarnation of Tanavast, maybe? Oh, I don't know. Like, I talked about this with Jake. I'm like, is there some, like, honor leaderboard? Like, who's the most honorable guy? And he's like, you know what, number one? You're the child of Tanavast. But um, it better not be that. That sucks. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Jake said something really good to me about theories, like how he judges theories. And he's like, I'm more inclined to accept it if it enhances the story. Yeah. Which is, like, a marker I need to remind myself of. It's definitely important. I say this all the time in the Song of Ice and Fire community. There are just simply things that people think are going to be answered that have no reason to be answered. Mm. Like, for instance, I'm oh, sorry, but Corn Halfhand being Arthur Dane. Right. We can just think that. It doesn't actually have to be answered. And the more nebulous it is, actually, the more fun it is to theorize about these things. But yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with Jake on, in that sentiment. Yeah. I suppose we should quickly cover the... Um epigraph which i just got like okay earth was a thing they could teleport and uh the radiants were kind of running it like, yeah it sounds like very it. human issues going on and it's like this thing that's pretty amazing has become kind of mundane and uh, to me this is power corrupting humans possibly yeah yeah and the only other thing is like the firing of the original palinaeum so like it's kind of like the library of alexandria burned down yeah. for yeah. some reason um so that's cool but okay, so the dream, the dream, and shout out to the following Nohadon podcast. These guys are another Stormlight podcast, and years ago, I think they've got it's a mixture of new readers and someone who's read it. Um, but I believe it was one of the people reading it for the first time. Um, they've got a video where they map out um, Kaladin's dream as a first time reader, which was so cool to see someone go to that length on their yeah. first time through. Cause like, I certainly did. I certainly did not do that. They were, they were in, they were in, uh, it's very cool. Um, and I suppose we could do something similar because whilst that is a cool video, there are some locations here that I'm curious to like pull up a map of Roshar and like get the exact location for like mm. some, like the the people living in like stalactites or, or whatever that was. I'm like, where is that? That's that seems very cool. So like, it seems like he's like the Stormfather's picked him up, put him on his shoulders, like Kaladin. We're going for a ride. We're going around the whole continent, and they do. Um, and what's curious is like, it's a dream, but I'm sure the storm doesn't travel this quickly. Like it's very quick. Like he's yeah. zooming. Well, time probably passes differently, I guess, when you're doing okay, this. Yeah, right? sure. Okay, that's a good enough explanation. I'll take that. Yeah. All right. I'm going to pull up a map. Um, I might need your help here. Oh, so boy. Can, like, just to, like, if you, like, read the passage and I'm, like, and I've got the map pulled up because I worry if I'm changing, changing too much, um, I'll lose where I'm at. I've got a, oh man, searching Roshar on my laptop is a bad move. You know how many files come up? It is. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> have a of evidence. It is an absolute disgrace. Okay, I've got, okay, I've got my big map of Roshar ready to go. All right, so he starts, does he start at the, the Shattered Plains? I believe so. I'm actually trying to right. find it right now. Okay, let me see. Um, all right, so he starts dreaming. 
so he approaches the du- a dark continent and, and sort up. So he starts on the sea. So he leaves the sea behind. The vastness of the continent spread before him, before him, seeming endless. Okay, he roared past the shattered plains. Um, they looked as if something very large had hit them at the center, sending rippling breaks outward. They were too. Uh, they too were larger than he'd expected. No wonder nobody had been able to find their way through the chasms. There was a large plateau at the center, but with the darkness and the distance, he could not see much. There were lights, though. Someone lived there. So that's like the Parshendi hub that, yeah. he's, that he's seeing there. Um, Are these impact craters from like... Something? See, this This is the big question, dude. Like, what caused the Shattered Plate? Then I know for a fact this is not answered yet. Yeah, it's almost it makes me wonder like did the Parshendi come here from space or something, you know, like, like landing in the I don't I don't know. Because yeah, like cuz he says um despite that he could see a symmetry to the shattered planes from high above the pillars, uh sorry, the planes resembled a work of art. Hmm. Just like the cities that Incel capsule showed us that created glyphs <laughs> and stuff and like symmetry. But like the impact crater thing, it's, it's like, yeah, what caused that? Was there like a giant battle that left this awesome like, like, yeah, or is it as simple as like a meteor hit it? No, 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 no way. No, no way. Okay. No, there's symmetry. There's symmetry, which suggests it's like some magical by design. Okay. Yeah, dude, I'm imagining this. Uh, I can't too many One Piece tangents, but there's like a one piece. <laughs> There's a one piece battle with like the sky cracking. That's it's reminding me of. Um, maybe it was like a battle between shards. Maybe it was like honor versus odium. And then like there's an explosion and it shattered the, the ground below creating this epic. Yeah. Something like that. Anyway. So he's yeah. in the shattered planes. Do you, like, do you have any theories before, before I move on for this? I, I really don't actually on this one. Yeah. Um, it, it feels like this might be like planet wide thing. Yeah. you know what i mean like it almost feels like maybe the powers of be like hitting planets with something and like using it mm. as a signifier or like a, a sign if you will like an interstellar Ooh. sign well like go left at the planet with this on it oh that's an interesting take that's cool because oh i like that when i'm looking at the map now dude i don't know if you've got a map pulled up but like i do, I do not okay but basically in the exact same spot on the western side of Rosha, right at the edge, is Shinova, which I would say is like as far opposite of the Shattered Plains as you could get in its opposite location. Is hmm. there something to that? Where it's like, here's the human hub, you stay on this side of the continent, and here's like the listener hub. That could that could be something, maybe. I, I like that. Yeah. They're directly opposite each other. I've never thought about that before. That is a little odd. Yeah, like, because maybe, like, it's like, yeah, you can come to our planet. Just, like, you stay on that side. You can mm-hmm. have your, your cows and your horses or whatever you want and your dirt on that side. Maybe <laughs> and your dirt. Get your dirt out of here, dude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so he goes to Colina. Pretty cool. Then he goes southward, away from anything he knew. He crested majestic mountains, densely populated at their tips, with villages clustered near vents that emitted steam or lava, the Horn Eater Peaks, um, which checks out, I'm mm. pretty sure, Yeah, w- which is cool. 
Um, I'm very curious about those bloody peaks, man. Because Rock has a few sus lines a bit later. Like him and Sigzel, like talking about how far they've traveled and stuff. I'm like, how do you guys know all this? Like Rock knows a lot. Don't you get that sense that Rock is really clued in? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Especially to like, like the land, right? Like the actual yes, geography yeah. and the history, like what, why things are the way they are even and like what to believe or not. But it is interesting. He doesn't believe in the void bringers. Does he? Yeah, he says something like that, right? He's Last like, time we saw just... Rock, remember he was like, all that air is making your brain sick. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. He's like, there are no such thing as void bringers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they seem to generally have a good understanding of Rosha, like how we can see Spren and stuff. That seemed mm-hmm. like, you know, it seemed like a quirk at first. Yeah, they're in tune. They understand. Maybe they got some good mushrooms up in the uh, Hornita Peaks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, I don't know exactly if that's definitely the Hornita Peaks, but I'm not really curious about that. It's like, okay, maybe yes, maybe not. Um, probably yes. There was like um, the one place that had me very curious Um where was it? So he sees a few wars, a few battles going on. Uh, yeah, this one. He took a path to the southwest, blowing towards a city built in long... Is it troughs? I think I'm saying that right. Um, in the ground that looked like a giant claw marks had ripped across the landscape. He was over it in a flash. I'm wondering if that's... Is that like the rift where, where Dalinar went? Where it's like huge cuts into the earth... And people are living in that in that depression there. I maybe. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it might be hard to pinpoint some of this now that I'm looking at the map. <laughs> um, it's just like there's just so many locations. What strikes me here is like we never really get a good sense of this in the whole. Yeah, series. That, that's the thing. I I was lost. Uh, yeah. Like for me, I mean, the the questions I was pulling out were. One, I, I went crazy and I was like, are all these places on Roshar? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> they definitely are. Yeah, we de- yeah, they definitely are. And then the other thing is I'm like, okay, the triangle area, and then he sees Zeth. Was that at the same time or was that the next step in the journey? And, like, was Zeth mm-hmm. in the triangle place at that time? I think so. Like, I think this is like for tracking the storm, the the storm, like, as it crosses Roshar. Yeah. And I believe, like, it places Seth around this, the, I guess you'd call the, I don't know what you could call these, if they're countries or areas or whatever, but it's, it looks like he's in Erie, mm-hmm. um, which passes by um, Baba, Baba Thanum, which is the place that Zigzal talks about later in the chapter, which is like almost teasing you to try and figure out this dream. Cause it's like, mm. Because he talks about it and he talks about the veins of the people, which Kaladin does see. Remember how he's like, he sees like blue veins under their skin and Sigzel's like, oh, I was transfixed by those veins. So you're there and then you go a bit past that, which is eerie, which is then Seth killing someone. And then you get that curious moment where like Seth looks at him or something or seems to see him. And so the Stormfather's taking him on this little, you know, Disney ride around Roshar. Why did he lead him specifically to Zeth? Zeth and Zeth maybe being able to see him like mm. that means that Kaladin 
maybe was really there. Like th- this is where I get really confused and whether it's like a timeline interaction or if it's uh, the spiritual realm and the physical realm meshing. I, I, I'm not sure. It seems like Stormfather's clearly clued into like the assassination of Gavilar at the very least. And he mm. knows it's Seth, but why would he choose to lead Kaladin straight to him? Because it's like he's going over the landscape. It's all these beautiful vistas, and he sees some people and stuff. But then he like goes into the building Zeth is in to like check in on exactly what he's doing, and they have this like little moment. I don't know. It feels kind of prophetic. Maybe it's less about Zeth and more about Terra Vangian and his Ooh, plans. Ooh, okay, yeah, maybe. It's a little abstract, though. It is a little bit like thematically, it works for us because we're like, "Oh, that's the guy." That's the yeah, guy but I, I don't know. Kaladin would never be able to put that together through that. No. You know? So mm, I don't know. And it, it, obviously it's significant that uh, Kaladin and Zeth are going to be buddy cops in, in <laughs> book five. I'm just curious to, yeah, th- there is that. Like they, they, there's, a, there's a major like frenemies kind of thing with them too. Yeah. But it's, it's just weird that the Stormfathers would do that. There's got to be a reason. There's no way that's just for the reader to, to make that connection. There's got to be a reason that he took him so low or whatever. Yeah, and I guess you could say that it's setting up their battle. Yeah. Yeah, like all thematically, it all makes sense. I'm just like, why does the Stormfather have a Yeah, and like at this moment. I, yeah, I mean, th- th- there's a lot of things I could ask about the Stormfather. Why now? Yeah. Yeah. Why now? Yeah. Is it just because he's bonding still? He's like, oh, yeah, this guy's cool. Radiance are back. Is the Stormfather a recording? Here we go. There's theories that are out there, right? That this is all pre-recorded. Oh, I would. Oh man, there's something cool about that. I would say that this is actually an argument that it's not. I would say that it's yeah, because it's very real time and they have a conversation. The last thing before their conversation that I found that I did not remember that I find kind of curious, it says something drew his attention. Strange flashes of light. He blew towards them at the forefront of the storm. What were those lights? They came in bursts, forming the strangest patterns, almost like physical things that he could reach out and touch. Spherical bubbles of light that vibrated with spikes. Oh, and here's my favorite word again. Troughs? I think I'm saying it right. Um, Probably not. But like, I figured if it's lightning, he would say, I saw lightning. So it's not lightning. What is it? Well, maybe he's confused. Just like in the in the midst of the storm, seeing seeing flashes and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely could be something else. But like, I wonder if it's just such a disorienting experience that he doesn't know what to call it. Mm, yeah, but spherical bubbles of light that vibrated. I don't know. Mm. That that feels very vibrations. I mean, there's like. The easy answer, the very easy answer is it's a storm. So there's like light. The second answer is it's like a spren of some kind. Um, the third one, which is maybe a bit more fun, is like other magical stuff going on. Like as how the Stormfather seems, sees magic. Is it like Zeth doing some cool magic stuff? Or is it like the Stormfather seeing some sort of surge binding? I don't know. It just felt like that's a big question mark. I don't know what he's seeing there, and I don't have. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, um, but I suppose we can get to to the chat that they have, and I feel like um, that's that's all you, Jimmy. Oh, you think? I think you can do. I want to. I haven't heard your Stormfather voice. Heard your Stormfather voice. 
Child of Tanavast. <laughs> Child of Honor. Child of One. Long since departed. A sudden voice shook Kaladin. He floundered in the air. The Oath Pact was shattered. <laughs> I started turning him into like Sean Connery there. At the yeah, end. I saw that. Yeah. The, the booming sound made the storm wall uh, itself vibrate. Kaladin hit the ground, separating from the storm. He skidded to a stop, feet throwing up sprays of water. Stormwinds crashed into him, but he was enough uh, a part of them that they neither tossed nor shook him. Men ride the storm no longer. The voice was thunder crashing in the air. The oath pact is broken, <laughs> child of honor. I don't understand. Callan screamed into the temple. <laughs> the face formed before him, the face he had seen before, the aged face as wide as the sky, its eyes full of stars. Odium comes, <laughs> most dangerous of all the 16. You will now go. Something blew against him. Wait, Kaladin said. Why is there so much war? Must we always fight? <laughs> he wasn't sure why he asked. The question simply came out. The storm rumbled like a thoughtful aged father. The face vanished, shattering into droplets of water. More softly, the voice answered. Odium reigns. Oh, my God. Oh, just as I envisioned it. As I read it. I don't uh, understand. I don't understand, <laughs> mister. <laughs> Why is there a war? Why can't Why we am I sad all the time? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Kaladin. That might have That's been my the, best performance. I think that was brilliant. I really want to like I could that. hear people turning off the podcast as I did it. I could yeah. hear... I yeah, this the slow grasp at the volume knob in their car, just turning it down. Yeah, like oh, we'll just skip the thirty second button here. I'm yeah, tired yeah. of this guy. <laughs> oh, this is what it's all about, man. Um, I can't wait to listen to that back. I just I want to like add reverb. I want to add some like thunder effects. Oh Oof. my god, <laughs> they all fucked. Audio god. I don't understand. That's my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh interesting though because he says he wasn't sure why he asked the question simply came out i thought that was interesting and the storm rumbled like a thoughtful aged father storm father uh the face vanished shattering into droplets of water shattering very significant word true uh, yeah this. very true oh yeah it's like he's got a sense of drama he's got a flair of he's got a dramatic flair he's like you know what yeah, i'm gonna he's shatter a, yeah. he's a theater kid there's no yeah. doubt He's like, I bet I could like leave his droplets. That'll send him really. Yeah, that's gonna be so sick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've tried rain clouds in the past, but I think droplets are it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, look, child of Tanabest, he leads with that. Child of the one long since departed. I mean, that's very clear. Weird that he's then goes to the Oath Pact was shattered. Like, talk about going from zero to one hundred, or Real zero quick. to sixty, as you guys say. <laughs> Um, what's that about? Why would he? Why? Why that? Recording? Recording? Like, <laughs> well, maybe that's just the day where everything started to break apart. The shattering, if you will, uh, mm -hmm. of all this. Like, maybe that's just the the inciting incident where he had to start paying attention. Uh, but it always, it just, again, it's like, why? Why now? Yeah, because he said, men ride the storm no longer. The Earth Pact is broken, child of honor. Odium comes, most dangerous of all the 16, you will go now. 
Because what's curious is remember how last time Honor spoke to Dalinar and we like took out the Dalinar bits and it's like clear he's not talking to Dalinar. Even if we do that here, he still says you will go now. And then he and then he he seems to respond to his question when he Mm. says Odium reigns at the end, seemingly. But the you will go now part feels like he's talking to Kaladin and he sees him. I mean, surely this is just because he's bonded with Syl and it's like clear that he might be becoming a Radiant again. But hmm. we know the Stormfather's in, like, interacted with a few people. Mm. Definitely Dalinar, now Kaladin. And then we like later get a flashback. He did it with Eshenai. He lets Eshenai ride the storm as she dies. It's interesting to think about why he picks people and even more interesting to think about why he calls him the child of Ternabast. I have, um, as, as I've said a few times, I've got a video in the works slowly um, about this whole thing. Why? Why? Just why? Why does this happen? Why does mm-hmm. he call him this? And I'm just going to pull up, I'm going to try to find my notes on this because I, it's mentioned once in every book he calls Kaladin this. Only once. Um, and I don't exactly Oh, why? Okay, so it says, oh, no, wrong notes. Fill in the dead air, Jimmy. I've got to find this thing. <laughs> you can check us out on Etsy. I, I really don't have anything uh, other than the fact that it's mentioned every single book. This is clearly signposting that, that this title means something. And when you're first reading through it, you've read, it, you're, you've read your standard fantasy fair. Everyone has honorifics. Everyone has alternate titles. And those are some of the coolest things in our series that we love. And I think Sanderson is saying, well, let's do an honorific. Let's do an alternate title. But let's put this big, fat mystery behind it. And Mm. now leads us down this big rabbit hole. And this is a very Sanderson thing to do, to do something that is standard fare and fantasy and then take it a step further and tie it into the lore mysteries and the world building. And, And the reason why I feel comfortable saying this is because this is a guy who is taking the back blurb of the book and maybe possibly writing it from an in-world character perspective that's not obvious and then playing with the chapter title emblems again standard fare for fantasy and it leading to something a lot more the epigraphs being death rattles so the child of tanavast is a cool name but i think it clearly signifies something more as well i agree and i found my notes mate i found them all right so without because part of me is like, oh, save it for the video, Christian. Keep them wanting more. Like, <laughs> I'll say this. I'll say this. I looked at the chapter titles of each time he's called this. And maybe we can maybe we can do something with this. All right. So first one is in the Way of Kings, Child of Tanabas, this very chapter. Then he calls him it in Words of Radiance. It's called Striding the Storm. In Oathbringer, it's called Demands of the Storm. And in Rhythm of War, it's called Uniting. Ooh, mm. our favorite word, unite. unite them. Unite them. Child of Tanabes, striding the storm, demands of the storms, of the storm, uniting. It, what's he, like, is he uniting him with something? The de- is the storm demanding, you know? Is, mm-hmm. like, the storm father trying to do something? Is he like, hey, look, my my boy died, Tanabes died, I need a new boy. It's going to be Kaladin. Maybe he's yeah, and is the Stormfather doing the right things? Like, yeah, 
Did he have a know. role in, in the oath pack? You know, like I, I, I always wonder about the like, cause all this had to be set up at one point, like this rule of them being tortured and then the storm father coming here and letting people ride. Like, how did this all begin? And why was the storm? Like, who was the storm father before all this? Well, like the storm father was a, just like a big old spren. And then like when Tanavas died, you know, you can become a cognitive shadow. Mm-hmm. And he like attached himself to the Stormfather, and now they're like a weird m- convergence of like Spren and like memory of Tanavas. Okay, okay. Um, so that's that. That's the deal. So there's a bit of him left in the Stormfather to some degree, and the Stormfather is just like an awakened Spren who's got. And like, maybe the, these conversations we're seeing that we think are conversations are actually something that Tanavast had had a conversation with somebody else in the past. Like it's, his mem- it's his memory of conversations that are being repeated that he thinks are significant. Ooh, that could be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, oh man, there's so many curios- curiosities about this thing and I will save some for the video. But like people have asked, um, it, like th- literally the question has been asked since and is there significance about the son of Tanavas thing that it's only Kaladin? And he said, yeah. Yeah, boy, there is. I knew it. And I then- knew it. And then someone asked, if he if he met Tien, would he also call him the son of Tanavast? And then Sanderson said something along the lines of like, ooh, I know what you're getting at here, Raffo. So <laughs> uh, we're gonna put a we're gonna put a Raffo on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know. because uh, that like there's the whole fam that's the family question. That's the whole like is Lyra and Tanavast thing, which I don't really think is the case. Um uh, let's just say it's a bit of a, it's one of those things. It's one of the biggest mysteries in the series. And I think um, the payoff could be decades away. No, oh, don't, don't tell don't, me that. I don't know if it's a book five payoff thing. I think it's book five. I like your optimism, mate. <laughs> it's gotta be. We gotta drive the hype. We gotta drive traffic yeah. to the, to, to the podcast, bro. <laughs> okay. Book five guys. Son of Tanabas. Five, promise. Promise it's this coming. time. It's coming. When's the winner? Confirmed. <laughs> yeah but look um my mapping out experience slight fail but hopefully i've got your mind um going give us your son of tanavas theories that's my call out to the spotify and youtube audience tell me what you think it is i want more voices on this i want everyone and don't say it's nothing because i mean i think we're pretty almost 99 percent sure it's not nothing something it's something. Even if it's like the tiniest thing, give me your give me your thoughts, and I, I, I want to know. Um, all right, the rest of the chapter. Did you notice um, the cheeky little stormlight vape of Kaladin? Did you notice that? he was vaping? <laughs> like he, 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 I mean, that's essentially what using stormlight is, right? Just like a cheeky vape. Yeah, it's it's basically it's hipster vaping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the ratings are just vaping. It's like what a disgrace. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but he's like, oh man, I got a headache. I don't feel, I don't feel great. Um, and then he's like, he took a deep breath and threw back his shoulders, trying to force the fatigue away. The sphere in the corner flickered, then its light faded away, leaving them in the darkness. And then everyone's like, oh man, these dun spheres from Gaz, he's so dodgy. And then like the next bit of Kaladin is like, oh, he's had a, his head felt great. So what like, a nice little piece, just a little yeah, very, very sweet little moment. I like that. That's weak. I love it. But that's all. I think that's where all the magical stuff ends. And now we get into the, you know, the boys 
hanging out. Yeah, with the boys the and, and some hints towards the Parshendi as well. Um, yes, we, we, I think we see a little bit of that. Yeah, what did you? I, I've been talking too much, man. I need. Oh uh, no, not at all. I knew this was going to be a you heavy <laughs> episode because at the end of the day, uh, there's just a lot of the stuff that uh, I'm not privy to and you breaking it down is super helpful not just for me but obviously everyone listening as well so uh there's there's absolutely no problem here i think it's interesting that like like rock you know calvin kind of wakes up and like we're we're gonna go out and bathe and oh by the way sigzel is a world singer like, <laughs> yeah yeah really like, sure. rock have you ever heard of a transition like what are you doing dude hey like, I, just kind of tosses it at him a little bit there. But it, it's interesting that Teft is talking to Kaladin and he says that he basically like the Parshendi kind of give him the creeps almost. So he's like, I, I don't know. I don't know about them. He's like, well, what do you mean? He's like, nothing. Never mind. He's like, I was yeah. just saying that you remind me of my of better days. It's like, interesting. Okay, Teft. All right, Teft. Old school Teft. Yeah. Getting a bit uh, like incel capsule, buddy. Yeah, Watch out. right. You watch out. <laughs> Incel tier list of Rosha. <laughs> <laughs> Capsule at the top. Now we got uh what non balat, you know. Yeah, dude, I was literally gonna say non balat's on that list heavy. <laughs> uh maybe oh Seth, potentially. And I, I feel bad. I can't throw Seth in there. He's just troubled, you know. He needs some help. Um nah, Spain, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> call a rock a rock you know what i'm yeah. saying call it a stone what it is um yeah like how does he know about world singers i don't think anyone else talks about world singers um, no no dude it, it's a major revelation and a huge characteristic for this character i love all the rock hints how he's like you you can't have my facial hair that's reserved for like insert long horny to name here <laughs> um like there's so much culture up in those hot springs you know and we'll be getting that novella only in a few short months, it feels. Yeah, we will. And then we hear about, like, Sigzil, and he talks about his master, who we, I think the reveal is very soon. I think soon we have the Wonder Sale chapter where Hoy's like, yo, heard you know Sigzil, let me play a flute. Um, mm-hmm. That happens. And then we get the connection from Sigzil about the the Blue Vein people. Yes. Which um, Kaladin sees earlier. And it's like, he kind of, like goes off on a tangent he's like yeah i got imprisoned there and he's like some visitors find it unnerving but i found the patterns beautiful almost irresistible Ooh. um i don't know sigzel like it does i don't know if sigzel's just got a thing but um i think i mean i'm not gonna go into it because it's just like you know we're an hour and a half into this thing but like probably some probably some cosmic magic vein thing yeah, it's like a vein magic yeah he's the compilation of a lot of things in the cosmere right magic wise uh yeah. and and we have reason to believe that from other pieces of the cosmere yeah like there's more to that there's more to that probably blue veins blue probably some connection to the amians and axes the collector and changing their skin yeah. and color and stuff so he messed up there. And then we learned about like their whole culture of like, you have to be the oldest to rule and they're just killing off everyone else, which felt <laughs> very in tone with like game of Thrones energy. Yeah, definitely. Um, which I enjoyed. Like I want to read a novella there, you know, it's like, Oh, he's turned 63. Go get time. Him. To, time to get him. <laughs> yeah. And then like Sigzel and rock had this moment where they're like, Oh, you know something. 
oh, you know something when it's like um, Rock's talking about he had a mate that went to that place or something. And then Sigs was like, that's a very long distance to travel for a horn eater. Um, like how, how dude. And, and we, we know they got like some teleporting situation up there. Yeah, and then Rock's like that. nearly the same distance for you, boy. So, you know, what are you talking about? You're a world singer, by the way, like throws him like under yeah, the Yeah, Kind of like, I know, you know, my secret. I know your secret. Yeah. Type deal. Yeah. yeah a little good. bit of blackmail back and forth, possibly. Um, one upping. Reminded me of a scene in another series with a, um, I'll talk, I'll talk to you about it later, but like with a can of fish, which, um, puts ah, two people I, in. Yep, I got yeah, you. Great scene. Um, I wanted to, Oh, the next thing I wanted to talk about briefly was when Kaladin is having this moment and he hears this quote in his head, turn a liability into an advantage whenever you can. These words had been spoken by a man who cared only for his own skin. Is that, is that referring to Amaram? It Amaram. feels like it. It feels like an Amaram moment, right? It definitely does. Because he feels like he has a few quotes going through his head here. And I'm like, oh, I feel like I should know who the, who said these things. But it's probably like, yeah, that era of time. Yeah, I think I think Amaram would be the, not the met, but the example of this. Mm. And uh, I suppose the last bit is the Ho Bridge Boy moment. Ho <laughs> <laughs> Bridge Boy. Toss a coin to your Bridge Boy. I like that. <laughs> Toss a sphere to your Bridge Boy. <laughs> yeah. And, and this is the beginning of a very uh, complicated relationship that they will form and then slowly, you know, become close, which is nice to see. Yeah. And Kaladin's biases will obviously be on full display uh against him and uh he'll have to overcome those and grow um as a character and a person in roshar so pretty cool stuff yeah and uh kaladin does blush seeing the safe hand we can't blame him it is the world he lives in um i don't know i just find that really funny any sort of safe hand like <gasps> her safe hands uncovered good on you sanderson immersing yeah. us immersing us but yeah look you're right the only other thing is the sill fuzzing at odium which just seems yeah you know uh, there's not much to say about that it's pretty pretty obvious um yeah. but yeah man well two very dense chapters good character moments good lore good week of lost in rosha if i do say so myself yeah i would say this is one of our bigger episodes and a lot of stuff and i'm um, we're sure that we could have extrapolated on more stuff like this um so let us know uh if there's other stuff you want us to talk about from the, the from these chapters and give us your thoughts about them as well uh towards the end of the year we're probably gonna be reading out some span reads and whatnot uh we have a backlog that is quite honestly overwhelming uh <laughs> so we will probably have an episode maybe uh on one of the shorter um chapter weeks where we're going to read through some of them and i imagine these two chapters are going to be a driving force in people wanting to reach out yeah guys thank you for the span reads we do read them we we just save them to reply to on the podcast so we're not we're not ghosting you uh we we do read them um but i mean listen listen on they'll they'll show up eventually there are some amazing span reads that i want to talk about straight away but then our episodes would get so long um, and I feel like once you get to an hour and a half, like we have now, it's like, yeah, probably, yeah. probably as far as you take it. Yeah. And then also whenever you, uh, you uh, put your email out there, you get a bunch of spam as well. So we had to sift through all that. <laughs> so. yeah, that, that also happens. <laughs> um, but someone did find a place on Google maps called Kremlin and, uh, I'm going to shout that one out cause that's great. 
Yeah, that's pretty good. There is, there is. That's where we're all meeting up one day. <laughs> we're scuttling on over. Um, but yeah, as always, guys, thanks for accompanying us on this episode of Lost in Roshar. Remember, the most important a chapter, chapter a man can read is the next one. We'll see you next week to dive into chapters 47, 48, and 49. And if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, be sure to leave us a review on whichever platform you listen on. And if you have any theories that you want to talk about or uh, some of these chapter reviews, make sure to send us a span read at lostinroshar at gmail.com. We'll see you next time on Lost in Roshar. Remember, all you scoundrels out there to keep that safe hand covered. <laughs>